When you came to Jesus, your rescue was about that dramatic. It was you were on the edge of just being done for. And our God, who created the universe, he created humankind, he intended for us to have fellowship with him, and we said we would rather be like you than to fit in with what you want us to be. And so we set ourselves up to be like God, and when we did, we became the slaves of Satan. And Satan is one of the most cruel, uh, no, he is the most cruel master that, that you can ever imagine. I had experience a couple days ago of sitting at a lunch table with um, a couple of uh, gals who are evangelists for Islam, a gal who is... Um, um, a minister at, at a, let's see, unit, Unitarian Universalist church. One of the guys at the table was an agnostic, and whatever I am, I was, and there was a third person, I mean, an, the final person there was not um, identified, and I kind of escaped pretty quickly, I noticed when the conversation picked up speed. It was It was a very enlightening experience, and it's like, it is so amazing that the enemy has set up so many really cruel forms of punishment for people who follow him. And you, if you, you've read about in, in literature and so forth about making a pact with Satan, he's perfectly willing to make a pact with you but if you're expecting one ounce of good out of that, it won't happen. He just can't do it. It just, he would fly into a million pieces if he did something altruistic, if he did something good. And so I was looking around that and, and female uh, members of Islam are sort of a, that like it that are evangelists, that's an oxymoron because they are the biggest problems in Islam. What shall we do with women? And uh, it's, just, it's just a fascinating study. If people would back off and look at what Christianity teaches, real Christianity, I'm not talking about traditional Christianity, uh, the orthodoxy, all of that stuff, those forms, and uh, the various things that have developed through the century. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as revealed in the Scripture, just the Bible. You look at that, and then you look at what uh, Islam offers and other, the other major religions of the world. And then, of course, there are those who, who say we have created religion to, for our own comfort. Well, listen, we would have if we could have, but Christianity is too counterintuitive for humankind to have created it and we would have put in something where we could get some credit we just love credit and we would have made it whatever but we have to do certain things to get God to love us forgive us ultimately save us so as you, as you compare all of this stuff, and then, of course, if you don't believe there is a God and that we, we have created God instead of God creating us, 
How did you get here? And don't tell me evolution, because it can't happen. It didn't happen. It is not scientific. I don't care how brilliant the scientists are that say it happened. It didn't. Because DNA does not get better and better and better. It gets worse and worse and worse. And the second law of thermodynamics just says it. Everything goes from the complex to the simple. That means you set this complicated apple. It's got incredibly com incredible complexity to it. Uh, all the sugars and all of the various parts of it. And it's able to reproduce itself by, by growing a tree that will grow apples. You set that thing on a table and leave it there. And after a while you go back and it's just a, chemically it's just a lump of sugar. Everything is gone. Now possibly the seeds in it could still bring forth a tree, but, but the apple has gone from the complex to the simple. That's what the law of dynamics, thermodynamics number two says. So all of this stuff, I, you know, and I'm not going to take time to, to try to destroy the thoughts of evolution. If you, need, if you need that kind of teaching, I can help you with that because it's just not scientific. It just isn't. I was able to give my testimony at that table yesterday because, you see, I came from a position of agnosticism. The Holy Spirit set me up and walked me into an era of a couple of weeks that I didn't know whether it was a God or not. And... Since I couldn't believe in evolution, I looked at that and I said, nope, I'm here and I didn't evolve. So there's something somewhere that makes things. And then I, I've told you numbers of times about the little gal whose arthritic shoulder was healed as I was praying for her. Right in the middle of that confusion and right in the middle of that turmoil in my own heart, God healed that little gal's shoulder so that I had fulfilled scripture, didn't know it, Without faith, it's impossible to please him because those who come to God must believe that he is, which is something over here that makes things. He is. I didn't, I didn't know if he's a person or a personality. I didn't know, but I knew I didn't evolve, and I'm here. Okay. And then the next part of that verse says, and that it's worth a man's while to try to find him. Said another way, he is, and he is personal. And he nailed that little arthritic shoulder, and I had my eyes open watching. And she took that arm, which she had like this, and she slowly, slowly, slowly stuck it straight up in the air. And those of you with arthritis know that it was a miracle, small by comparison. I didn't need a big one because I wasn't doubting God. I just didn't know whether he was there or not. Well, hallelujah, he is. I got to give my testimony. And I thought... Yeah, it's worth it to listen to these people rant on. <laughs> I'll do that to get to tell the story of how God's love came into me. And here is a fact that I have learned. When we come to Jesus, if we're serious about loving God and walking with him, we grow. We will grow in our faith. Our faith will grow. It will begin to manifest itself in more love. And one of the things early on that we come to understand is that in Christ everything is permissible. Now, I'm not talking about the lists in the Scripture, and you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. The list is much longer in the New Testament. Uh, you don't do this and you don't do that, but those are sins, and they'll take you out. So it's a good thing. If, if you don't want to love God, it's a good thing to live by those laws 
because then you can be free from the stuff that doing what these prohibitions uh, prohibit. You do that and, and it will take you out. So we learn, however, that, that our fears, all of the things that have been taboo to us, we learn that those things, slowly, 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 we learn that if they're the, our own machinations, their own imaginations, if they're our own creations, we can be free from that and we walk into freedom. And it's called liberty. And Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from, for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. He has come to set us free. Jesus picked up this line and said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You walk with the one whose name is truth and the error of all of the stuff that you bring with you to Jesus Christ will slowly, slowly be healed. And 2 Corinthians 3 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, freedom. So we, we learn this liberty. I remember uh, within a couple years, actually it wasn't within a couple, it was, it, was, it was less than a year later after I had been walked by the Holy Spirit through this difficult test and started on the walk on which I still am, that I began to realize that a lot of the stuff that I had said, this is wrong and that's wrong, it wasn't in Scripture, it was just stuff that was wrong, that, that it wasn't wrong. And I remember... The trepidation on the one hand and the sense of exhilaration on the other hand to be free to do stuff. It was not sinful. It, it was a blessing to me. It was a blessing to the people around me. But it had not, I had not been free to do it before. And I remember that. And so the phobias, the taboos, the prejudices slowly are swallowed in the knowledge of the glorious freedom of the children of God from Romans 8. And so our faith grows and we come to rejoice in the exhilarating freedom from guilt and bondage that is the lifestyle of the slaves of Satan. And Satan will tell you that you can only be truly free in him and then he will put so much bondage on you that you will forget what the term freedom means. That's liberty in Christ Jesus. Number two, let's talk about license. How can such a wonderful thing become wrong well <laughs> my first remark in that face of that question is to say for one thing we humans can mess up the best thing around we have a knack for it um, one of my grandkids is in uh, is in uh, US government class and uh, is pulling A-plus in that. I, I, I told her she's going to have to bring that up, but <clears throat> she's kind of looks spacey at me. But anyway, not really. The A-plus is real, but the spacey look was a projection of my own. The, uh, when, I, when I took civics, we were taught that the founding fathers knew that given power, people would be corrupt, and they would abuse and oppress people. So we set up, when we were found in this nation, three branches of government. And the, you remember the term checks and balances? Did any of you, do they still do that in school? 
Talk about checks and balances. Okay. Checks and balances so that the judicial uh, can shoot down the executive and the legislative branch if they come out with something that's not constitutional. And the executive branch can veto stuff uh, from the legislative branch and, uh, and the legislative branch is the one that makes the laws and uh, can even override that veto if, if uh, they agree enough and so forth. Now that was, that was given because humankind tends to corrupt everything. Now I don't think we're taught that anymore because the, the idea that is one of the tenets of socialism has permeated our culture to the extent that we don't think everyone is evil. We think everyone is basically good and if we could just get the pressures off them of class and being poorer than someone else, et cetera, et cetera, they just do well. Well, that has been projected all around the world in various nations. The longest running one was um, 70 years. It was called the USSR. And it is estimated that tens of millions of people were killed because they dissented under this thing. But this is, the, this is a wonderful method, and so we have to get rid. And it's like, you know what? There's something wrong with this picture. You have to kill people, so this will be wonderful. Ah, I don't think I can follow that logic too well. And then we have, we have the nearest, uh, geographically, uh, the, the greatest proximity to the U.S., the nearest experiment in this is on the island of Cuba. And Cuba is just fiasco. They, they are supported by foreign aid. It's, it's like we're, you, you get these emails all the time, I'm sure, like I do. Uh, what are you going to do when you, when you poor folks spend all the money of, of the rich folks? What are you going to do then? And, uh, well, I don't know. We might have to get a job. But that's kind of oppressive and so forth. Pardon my sarcasm. We are, we are killers of good stuff. And so that Christians would do this means that actually most Christians are human. I don't think all of them are. I've met some, but, but the rest of us are just human. Which means we have to continually be saved. And there are significant portions of Scripture that speak directly to this problem that I'm addressing today. And that is this freedom that we have taken to a fault. Paul illustrated how this works with the picture of meat sacrifice to idols. Especially in the Corinthian church. And in Corinth... Uh, idol worship and the idolatrous feasts, the meat of the sacrifice, you, you bring an animal to offer it and part of it they sacrifice to the idol and the rest of it, you sit down to a banquet in, in this uh, idol temple and eat it, that was never very far removed from really corrupt a licentious, adulterous, fornication kind of practices. Sex was a part of the deal. Sex with temple prostitutes, whether they were male or female, and so forth. Now, when these, when these people who had participated in that 
they knew that there was some power of demons. There was some kind of pressure. They, they could feel the, the, the crummy stuff around this, and they, they were afraid of it. And that's part of the reason why they brought these, these sacrifices to this idol's temple. Paul comes on the scene, and a bunch of them get converted, and he knew that meat is meat is meat, okay? Dead cow is dead cow is dead cow. Dead sheep is dead sheep is dead sheep. On down the line, this is just meat. But not everyone believed that because they had, they had sensed the hair stand up on the back of their neck in some of those experiences in that idol's temple. They knew there was something there that was not good. And when they came to Jesus, the only time the hair stood up on the back of their neck was when they were worshiping God and they were just being so blessed and, and they were being made new and their faith was just going over the moon and so forth. And, and Paul says, okay, you know that meat is meat is meat. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. Now, emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols, he's destroyed by your knowledge? Yes, because here's the deal in this, and get this clearly. This weak brother, as is described by Paul, who believes that there is something demonic attached to this meat that's been to this temple. When he eats it, he is defiling his conscience. That is how important it is to have a clear conscience. We cannot compromise our stuff with God. I don't care if I can do something. If you can't, please, don't do it. And if we're not talking about what's listed in Scripture. That's not negotiable. You do that, you've sinned outright. I do that, I've sinned outright. Get over it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about eating meat sacrificed to idols. What would be a, a, a comparable thing today? There's a, there's a thousand things that, I, that came through my mind as I've been preparing for this thing for about three months. And I, I hesitate to even say because some of you who love lists... We'll just grab it and stop doing it and feel holy because you stopped doing it. It doesn't make you any holier. But if it's against your conscience, you better not do it. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's the rule about a clear conscience. And if you cannot eat in faith, when you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Because they see you, are emboldened to eat, eat, are condemned, and their faith fails. And then, here is, the, here is the final word on that deal. It's not up to you. It's not up to your little deal. Because none of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So, how does this shake out? Well, it's called love. 
And Paul just took these, this Corinthian deal. It's a most fascinating study because there were three questions in these Corinthians' minds about this meat sacrifice to idols business. What about that which is eaten as a part of an offering to an idol? So um, you know it's been offered to an idol and you eat it. What about that? Or what about that which was bought at the market that's adjacent to the idol's temple? It was left over from a sacrifice. It was eaten at home or at the home of another. And number three, what about attending the feast at the idol's temple? Well, he, he deals with these things, if you want to get into that, he deals with these things separately. And one of the, one of the things that comes into play here in the mind of Paul and of the Holy Spirit, of course, is everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And so, here is the deal. We, it comes down to this. Who is important? Who is first on our list to edify, strengthen, encourage? If it is about me, then I will do what I good and well please. And if you stumble over my freedom, get a life. But if it's not about me, then who is it about? And if it is about you, then I need to know where you are on that particular statement of faith. And if I love you, I will avoid at all costs causing you any problem. Now, that's some of the best preaching you ever heard, I humbly say. That will work, honey. And if you want unity in the body of Christ, and if you want us to be empowered to look outward and always be turned outward trying to win souls to Jesus and, and reduce the population of hell and, and bring your family and your coworkers and your neighbors to Christ, that is a foundation that is unshakable. Because it's called love. And here is the deal. Let me just read this from 1 Corinthians 8 again. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, you see, if you've got a lot more lists that you can't do, that's, that doesn't mean you're a strong Christian. I came from a group that... The longer the list of stuff you couldn't do, the better Christian you were. The scripture says, no, you're the weak one. But, it, but we don't belong to that group anymore anyway. Which is sort of a relief. <clears throat> if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened, emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. And here's why I read those, all those verses to get to this one. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. So that I will not cause him to fall. That's how this shakes out. 
Meat is meat is meat is really irrelevant if it's if it's wrecking somebody's little train if it's causing the wheels to fall off their little wagon it means nothing love is what counts and love is expensive God so loved that it cost him his one and only son and when you love it won't cost you that much but it will be expensive you say well that sounds like bondage no it's freedom I choose to just get it straight when I came to this church and I was interviewing with the board a couple months before or a month whatever before we came and 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 function as a candidate for the position in the course of three or four hours of conversation I said now I don't know how you guys feel about this but if there is a show that comes to town that is worth seeing I will go see it and it didn't raise any ripple I don't know where they stood on that I know at least one is in this room that was in that room uh, that night and and I was sort of proud of myself you know it's kind of like <laughs> and later I thought what it is so important for you to be able to go to the show that you would mess with somebody now you you think that's stupid but 35 years ago it was a little more of an issue it probably ought to be an issue now I mean there there have been some good shows I went to see sound of music umpteen times uh, it's kind of gone downhill from there and that's 40 years ago um, but but there are some very entertaining shows most of them are put out for kids but they have this adult humor line like Shrek and uh, some of these some of these shows that are really entertaining and it's, I don't see a thing wrong with going to them but I am not any more proud of, of my in-your-face attitude toward those guys that was stupid hello who am I did you get the point I have grown a little and love a little bit more than I did and if it's gonna cause somebody's spiritual problem I'll never go to another show again did you get the point you need to stick your stuff that you're really proud of and that this is your freedom and bless God we just have this freedom and anybody that says anything to me is just trying to put me under bondage get over that that is that is probably a, about 100% lacking in love for anybody but you our rights to personal stuff such as Paul discusses our rights to personal stuff get this are the same as his I will never eat meat if it causes somebody a problem isn't that where we're supposed to live isn't that what Jesus did you need to reread Philippians chapter 2 and see how God the Creator emptied himself and became human and then became a slave and then was crucified that's the picture your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus is the way that passage is it in uh, introduced and in 1st Corinthians 10 Paul is still referring to this he says 
So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. You say, well, you're just talking about people pleasing. People pleasing is neurotic. If that's, if that's your problem, get into therapy and get over it. This is people serving. How can I wash their feet? That's what we're talking about, dear one. We are talking about love. And um, since we're talking about love, let's go to the, uh, the wind-up of chapter 13, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians Chapter 14, verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And that last part doesn't need to be there because follow the way of love. And I call you today, whether you're young, and it'll, this, this message will tend to go to those of you who are younger in the Lord. Because you come with all of this bondage, you begin to get delivered from this bondage, and you enter into this freedom and this liberty, and it is wonderful. I know it, and it is the will of God that you enter into this. It is great. It is also the will of God that you be very careful while you're rejoicing in all this liberty, and make sure that you grow right on through that to where you can take your liberty over where it can be covered by the love of Jesus Christ. Did you follow that? Now, if you old folks have just now found out that you have liberty in Christ, you watch yourself too. But, but this will tend to happen in the younger people. And, oh, we are just so cool, and it's just so nice, and it is just so great. And it just stinks to high heaven because it's about me. And we cannot be successful in any way in the kingdom of God if we are worried about this person more than we are worried about everyone else. And worry there, it means concern, to encourage, to help, to strengthen, protect, build up. May we pray. Father, because you have called us to yourself, we are not any more dead in our sins. We have come into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And this liberty is so great and we can't believe that we can be eternally saved and, and have meaning in our life here and really enjoy it. Our flesh says, no, you can't, there's no free lunch. You can't be happy. Lord, we can be exhilarated. We can be scintillated. We can be filled with this unspeakable joy and be right in your will because this is your will and help us just not to latch onto that and say boy bless God that's mine and nobody's taking it from me take it from us oh Lord in the sense that we put that aside and say how can I wash somebody's feet and then we will find a joy that is even greater and it is deeper than that exhilaration of entering the first few times in the liberty that is ours in Christ Jesus. Lord, give us the liberty to become servants of all. 
through Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to speak to our teenagers' hearts. I thank you because you have your hand on them. I thank you because you've given us the leaders of Craig and Lauren, Nate and Kara, and the marvelous sponsors that laid on their lives for these guys. And I thank you because you're moving in them, in these teenagers, in a way that is so deeply satisfying and gratifying. Lord, give them a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom in their hearts today to move right on into the liberty on the one hand and to in no way flaunt it in a way that could be destructive on the other hand. Lord, our young adults, we have some of the most outstanding young adults I've ever met in my life. I thank you for them. I bless them. Lord, they are the ones probably that are most vulnerable to the licensed part of this sermon. Bless them with wisdom to just look at people and love them and not worry about their personal freedoms except the freedom to do your will and to wash feet. And then the rest of us, oh Lord, I bless, oh God, that we may be turned outward, that we may be so full of your spirit. Lord, you have prophesied over this place. You have promised to us a harvest, and I stand on that promise, and we are going to see it. We've seen some of it, but not nearly what you're wanting to do. And I stand there because your word is infallible and if we don't bolt it will happen and so I ask you to bless all of us of all ages with the love of Jesus Christ to just reach out and pull in everyone that gets in our way Lord I thank you for that opportunity to just tell some people that don't really know you at lunch Friday to tell them that you're real and that it's worth our while to try to find you. <laughs> oh God, may that rise in our hearts. And I don't, I don't have any clue that you, those people will be saved because of that. But your love can flow through that and I thank you for it. Now, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to those hearts that have not even surrendered to your love? Just pour your spirit right now and draw them into your kingdom in Jesus' name. Please remain with your heads bowed. This church, uh, this sermon has just been to the church, obviously. It is an important message. To the church but I just want you to know that even though we didn't preach this sermon to you if you're not walking with Jesus you are very very important to the Lord and you're very very important to us and I want to call on you and this is my call God is reaching out to you you walked into this place today not knowing why quite why or maybe it's very clear that why you, you because you were obligated or whatever 
but you're here. And I want you to know that God intends for you to get this message. I love you. I have a plan for you. I will change your life. And I will fill you with a love and a freedom that the preacher couldn't even describe this morning. That's the message from God to you. And if you're not walking with him, would you please just raise your hand? You don't need to say anything at this moment. And I'm not going to embarrass you. This is not about humiliation. This is about a new life in Christ Jesus. Just raise your hand if you're not walking with him. We're going to lead you to Jesus today because he is not hard to find. He is closer than your breath. And he loves you. He gave his life for you. I'm looking for your upraised hand. All right, I want you to know this. You can just look up here at me. You should have raised your hand and did not, or perhaps you did and I didn't even see you. This is not the only place you can meet God. He is closer than your breath. He really is. And before this day is over, please just take a moment and say, God, I need to be rescued. I, I need to be pulled out of that car that's on the train track. I'm doomed, I know. Help me, forgive me, and he will. He will do it then and there. Ask him to come into your life. Then give us a call. We, we have a booklet. As a matter of fact, you can pick one up. It's called Rock Solid. And uh, it's at the Information Center. Pick that up before you go. And after you pray that prayer, then look at that little booklet. It'll guide, it'll guide you for the next seven days on some stuff to read from the Bible, some prayers to pray. He loves you. He really, really loves you. Hallelujah. Church, we have, we have today entered into an acknowledgement again of what God has done in Christ Jesus. In, in celebrating the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. And I know there are needs. I, I have, we, we had a, a family member of one of our families have incredible surgery Friday. Last Wednesday, one of our members had a surgery. And, uh, it, you know, yesterday, they had the memorial service for Ken Bennett's dad in the state of Oregon. I referred to that without mentioning who it was. All kinds of stuff, just hard stuff that goes on. And I want you to know that God cares about every pain, every ache. We have, we have people that are being transferred. We have people who have lost jobs. We have people that are in all kinds of things. Sometimes these transfers are good, sometimes they're bad. Sometimes we think they're gonna be bad and they're good and vice versa because we don't know about this life. But I know one thing about this life and that is if you turn to Jesus, he will change everything. And I'd like for us to have a prayer together before we leave. I'd like for us to all do it. 
We don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up. And when, when we do that, I'm going to ask everyone to just kind of crowd down front. We're going to have a prayer, and then you can be dismissed. Because I want us, you see what I see these church services as doing. And this is not a filling station where you get filled up and you can run. If you run kind of lean, you can run all week. If not, you can get it to Wednesday night and then you can get refilled. This is where we talk about faith and we get our faith renewed because we live by faith. Faith that works by love is a, is a scriptural phrase. And I want our faith so strong that when the enemy comes against you, by the way, he is a real deal. You may not believe there's a devil. I do. I have never been under more serious attack than I was for about 48 hours beginning seven days ago. It was unbelievable. It's like I've never been there before. It's not ever been quite like that. And I'm old and I've been at this a long time. And so I was under attack. And so, well, it hurts. And so, well, well, I usually holler at my wife when I'm under attack. And besides that, and so, you see, we're going to make it. Did you get that? And if you pray for each other, and a bunch of you were raised up to pray. I've been getting these testimonies. Pastor, I was praying for you back, X, and I said, oh, man, you can't believe the attack I was under. And I want us to be so full of faith that whatever happens this week, if this is the greatest week of our life, or if, we are, if it's like your testimony a week from now, it's like mine from a week ago. It doesn't matter because we're victors. Let's stand. And as they lead us in worship, would you just move on out? And when we all get in here, we'll have a prayer together. Just when you come down, just come right up against the steps so everyone can come. We'll have a closing prayer together.